Welcome to Renaissance. My name is Clay, and I am one of the pastors here. And if, uh, if we haven't had a chance to meet yet, uh, I usually hang out up front after the service. Come on up, say hi. I'd love to meet you and get to know you uh, just a little bit. Um, over the past month or so, we've been looking at, uh, really, we've, we've kind of focused on one verse uh, in the New Testament, the book of Acts, written by uh, a guy named Luke, who was an historian. He was also a doctor. He was a close associate, a friend of the Apostle Paul, who was one of the leaders in the early church. And Luke wrote this history uh, of the early church. He kind of picks up right after Jesus' resurrection, and he talks about uh, the first several decades of Christianity uh, in the ancient Near East. And there's a verse in Luke chapter 2 where Luke talks about the focus of these early Christians uh, during those, those first years. He says, they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, to fellowship, to the breaking of the bread, and to prayer. The apostles' teaching is referring to what we now know as scripture, especially focused on the New Testament. Uh, fellowship, that's the relationships that we have with one another. Breaking of the bread, that's what we refer to as communion or the Lord's Supper, and then finally prayer, which is obvious what that means. And that's where we're going to focus this week. We're going to be talking about prayer. And I want to get into this idea of being devoted to prayer by asking what may be the deepest and most significant question that I've ever heard anybody ask about prayer. Is it okay to pray for God to help you to find a parking space? That is actually a, a very a deep and, and uh, important kind of a question. I mean, it sounds trivial at first, but have you ever tried to park in downtown Summit on, uh, you know, on a weekday during, during regular working hours? You run into situations like this uh, in, in the parking garages, you know? There you go. Don't try this at home. There's a little sign on that. Or you run into one of these signs, you know, parking lot full, just embrace it, you know. That sign actually was from California because they would say just embrace it. Here it would say parking lot full. You got a problem with that or deal with it, you know. And that's the way it is around here and the challenges that we find with parking. And we laugh at that question because it seems trivial. But by the end of our time today, I hope that you will realize that our answer to that question is so significant because it reveals something about our understanding of who God is and how he's involved in our lives. Our answer to the question about trivial, small, seemingly irrelevant things like, is it okay to pray for parking, says a lot about our understanding of who God is and how much he cares for our lives. Uh, you know, think about it this way. Sometimes we think that uh, we, we shouldn't ask God to help us to find a parking place or a good deal on a new car or, or just the right options, you know, on the new car that we're looking for or a dress for our, our daughter's prom. And we don't do that because we think that they're too trivial. We think that God has better things to do with his time than to help us find a parking space. And it's, it's just too self-oriented in that way. Mark, who is one of the uh, other writers of one of the biographies of Jesus, he writes about a very interesting act, interaction that Jesus had with some of his disciples, with some of his followers. Mark chapter 10, starting at verse 13. People were bringing little children to Jesus for him to place his hands on them, but the disciples rebuked them. And when Jesus saw this, he was indignant. He said to them, let the little children come to me. Don't hinder them. 
for the kingdom of God belongs to such as these. Truly, I tell you, anyone who will not receive the kingdom of God like a little child will never enter into it. And he took the children in his arms, he placed his hands on them, and he blessed them. But the disciples did probably what I would have done in that situation. People are bringing their children to Jesus and, and the disciples are saying, no, don't bother Jesus. He's too busy with other things. He doesn't need to hang out with these little kids and put his hands on them and bless them because that's the attitude that we have when we think about little things. God is so big. God is so powerful. He's doing super important things in the world and he doesn't have time for parking spaces and prom dresses and blessing little children. But Jesus says, no, I absolutely do. I want to bless these children. But he takes it a step further. And he says to his disciples, you as adults need to become like those little children. You need to approach me the way that a little child would approach his or her parents. Because unless you do it that way, you're never going to have a right relationship with me. Think about the way that children uh, approach their parents. Those of you who had children, those of you who just observed children, children will ask for anything and everything, especially if they know that their parents love them, that their parents care about them, that their parents want to, to, to do good for them. Kids just speak what's on their mind. Mom, can I have an ice cream cone? Dad, can I have this toy? Take them shopping. You know, you'll see it that way. Just observe in the stores. They're always asking for things. They don't hesitate to speak what's on their minds. And what Jesus is saying is, we should do the same thing with God. We should come to God like little children come to their parents and just say, God, this is on my heart. This is on my mind. Would you meet this need that I have, whether it's big or whether it's seemingly small? Because when you think about it, there's nothing that's trivial. There's nothing that's small to a child. And that's the same thing with God. We may look at something and say it's small, we may think it's trivial, but God never does. I mean, think about it this way. Is it any more difficult for God to have created the universe than it is for him to help us find a parking space? It's all, in some sense, small to God. So from that perspective, there's nothing that's trivial in God's sight because he cares about us. Nothing is too small for God. God cares about the details of our lives. Think about how, how Jesus came to the earth. He didn't come to the earth. He wasn't incarnated as, as a fully grown human adult. He came as a little baby. He was born as a completely helpless, completely dependent baby. Every need that he had, he had to depend on Mary and Joseph to meet. He needed to be fed. He needed to have his diaper changed. He needed to be held. He needed to be comforted. All of those seemingly trivial, small needs that we as human, as human beings have experienced, Jesus experienced all of those. So he knows what it's like to have those seemingly small, seemingly trivial needs. Yet from the perspective of that baby, there's nothing more important than having its diaper changed or being fed or being comforted or whatever the particular need is. And the same thing is true with us. And Jesus says, come to me with your concerns. Come to me with your needs. Nothing is too small for God. 
in the biography written by Luke, Jesus says, are not five sparrows sold for two pennies? Yet not one of them is forgotten by God. Indeed, the very hairs of your head are all numbered. Don't be afraid. You're worth more than many sparrows. I mean, what's more trivial than, than a bunch of sparrows? I remember as a kid, we would go to McDonald's and you know, people drop their fries on the ground to watch the sparrows pick up the fries. I mean, what is more trivial than sparrows? And Jesus is saying, yeah, they're small, they're everywhere, but I care about them. And if I care about them, I care about you. Actually, the way he puts it is your heavenly father cares about them. God is the perfect father, the perfect parent who cares about those details of our lives. He knows how many hairs I have on my head, and it's getting easier and easier for him to count those hairs as the years go by. But we also need to remember that God is never too busy. God, nothing is too small for God, and God is never too busy to come, for us to come to him. I mean, sometimes, sometimes we think of God kind of like the internet. You know, we know that God's bandwidth is large, but we feel like it's, it's, it's limited in some sense. I was reading the other day, do you realize that streaming audio and video accounts for over 70% of internet usage in the prime time during the evenings? That's double twice what it was just five years ago. And 37% of internet usage is taken up by one company, Netflix. Think about it that way. You know, and now you've got ISPs, the, the internet service providers are starting to put bandwidth caps on both our mobile bandwidth, but also sometimes in your home, especially if you've got Comcast, for example. So you've got these bandwidth caps coming on and we look at God in the same way and we say, he's, yeah, he's big, but he's not infinite. And we know that he's infinite, but we sometimes feel like, yeah, at some point he's gonna be too busy. He's gonna be overwhelmed by all of those requests. But God doesn't have bandwidth caps. He can't be overwhelmed by all the needs that we have, by all the needs that all the people have. God has infinite capacity and he's eager to use that for our good. Israel's King David writes, he says, the eyes of all look to you, Lord, and you give them their food at the proper time. The Lord is near to all who call on him, to all who call on him in truth. They, you give them their food at the proper time. He doesn't say, hang on. I'm helping somebody else right now put us on hold and we call him back later, you know, and then he gets to, to helping us out. No, God is able to deal with all of our needs right when they need to be met. The Lord is near. He's not far off. We don't have to wait for him to become available. God is near to all who call on him. He's never too busy. He never gets overwhelmed. He has unlimited resources and he wants to share those with us. And I think part of the problem, at least for me, is sometimes we allow human limitations and human weaknesses and the experiences that we have with human beings, we allow those to subtly shape our view of who God is and what he would do for us. And that affects our prayers. So sometimes people think that our needs and our desires are trivial. Come on, seriously? You actually pray that God will help you to find a parking place? You actually pray that God will help 
you to close this particular deal? Come on. God has better things to do with his time than that. So we look at the way people respond to us in those situations, and we think that God responds in the same way. Sometimes people are too busy for us. They've got too many things to do, and they say, stop it. I'm, I, I've had enough. I can't keep answering your questions. I don't have time for this. And subtly, that affects our understanding of who God is and, and his availability to us. But that's really not the case. We need to be careful that we don't judge God by human standards. God is infinite. God is perfect. God is sovereign. He is never overwhelmed. He's never too busy. There's nothing that's too small for him. And we can't allow human limitations and human weaknesses to keep us from looking to God to meet our needs. So don't hesitate for one second to bring your needs or your desires to God. Ask him for a parking space. Ask him for help on a test. Ask him to help you with the presentation that you've got to do tomorrow morning. Ask him for physical healing. Ask him for emotional healing. Not only is nothing too small, nothing's too big for God. It's as easy for him to help us with the big things as it is with the little things. Ask God for whatever's on your heart. The Apostle Paul writes, he says, he who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all, how will he not also along with him graciously give us all things? God gave us his son. He didn't hesitate for a second to give that which was most precious to him, his one, his only son, the Lord Jesus. He sacrificed Jesus so that our broken relationship, which we broke, our broken relationship with him could be restored. If he loves us that much when the relationship was, is broken, what about now that the relationship has been restored because of what Jesus has done? Of course he's going to give us everything else that we need because nothing is too small for him. If he gives us the big thing of Jesus, of course he's going to give us all of those small things. The Apostle James was uh, Jesus' half-brother. He was uh, Jesus' brother by Mary, I'm sorry, by, by Joseph and Mary, whereas uh, Jesus was conceived by the Holy Spirit and Mary. So Jesus had a, a several different brothers and, and one or two sisters as well. James was one of them, and he wrote one of the letters in the New Testament, we know it as creatively, the book of James. And uh, James puts it this way. He says, you do not have because you do not ask God. You don't have because you don't ask. And as I was thinking about that, I realized there's something pretty profound about that. Sometimes God waits to give us something until we ask him for it. He does that because he wants us to learn to depend on him. And we do that with our children from time to time. We wait for them to ask for something so that they can learn in some cases, it's just to learn politeness. Sometimes you say, what do you say? And they say, please, you know, and, and it's kind of fun and it's cute to see that, but we do that in order to teach them, for example, politeness. God sometimes withholds good things from us until we ask for them because he wants us to learn to come to him to have our needs met. He wants us to learn to come to him realizing that we are dependent on him and we need him. Some years ago, I heard somebody uh, give 
an illustration about this. They said that they imagined that that when they get to heaven, there's going to be this huge, vast warehouse that has shelf after shelf after shelf of unopened presents on it. And their thought was, you know what? Those presents are good gifts that God wanted to give me, but I never asked for them, so he never gave them to me. And yeah, it's a made-up story. I don't think there's a warehouse in heaven with unopened answers to prayer. But conceptually speaking, I think it's true that there are times when God doesn't give us things because we haven't asked him for it. So don't hesitate for one second to ask, for God, ask God to give you what's on your heart. But there's a flip side to that, and we need to be careful that we don't treat God like he's a vending machine. God is not a vending machine. We can't just put in some money, pray the right prayer, and expect God to do exactly what we demand of him to do. God is not our errand boy. Notice what James says. He starts, he says, you do not have because you do not ask. But then he goes on to say, when you ask, you do not receive because you ask with wrong motives that you may spend it on your pleasure. So there's a balance here. If we don't ask, we're not going to receive. But sometimes when we ask, we don't receive because we're being self-centered. We're being selfish. It becomes all about me. And we treat God like he's some sort of a cosmic errand boy or vending machine. And sometimes God doesn't give us something because our attitude in the situation is wrong. And he says, no, you don't treat me like I'm your servant, like I'm your slave in that way. I'm God, you're not, and you need to learn that as well. And there are other times when God doesn't give us something because he knows it's not the absolute best thing for us. Your kids ask you for dessert all day long. You're not going to do that. Why? Because you love them. They may think it's because you don't love them, but you withhold excess sugar from your kids because you do love them. Yet from their perspective, you're being mean and nasty and, and selfish in that way. We do the same thing with God. Sometimes we say, God, why don't you give me this particular thing because I need it? And God says, you know what? You need something more than that. You need something better than that. And if you could see things from my perspective, you'd know that I always give you what is good and I never give you what is bad. So sometimes we ask God for the parking place and we don't get it because we need the exercise. I mean, that's why we have all the stairs, you know, when you come up to the third floor here. And other times we ask God for the parking place and we don't get it because my mother needs the parking space because it's closer and it's a little harder for her to walk to the door, you know. And yet sometimes the world revolves around me and my needs, and I become sort of this, this little king or this little God trying to rule the world my way. And James says, no, God is God, you are not. So ask God for anything and everything, but do so respectfully, recognizing that he is the ruler of the universe. He is the God. He is the one who knows ultimately what our greatest needs are. Just about a year ago, we spent an entire month uh, going through what's known as, as the Lord's Prayer. If you missed that, you can find that online on our website. I, I think we called it, Are You Listening? 
and it's a, it's a four or five week series. You can watch the videos of that if you're interested in looking at the details of that. But what, one of my favorite parts of the Lord's Prayer is where Jesus says we should pray, give us today our daily bread. Give us today our daily bread. Bread, it's a basic sustenance of life. In some sense, it's trivial, but in another sense, it's really essential to our lives. And so Jesus is saying, ask God to meet your most basic needs. But what's interesting about that request is it comes in Matthew 6, verse 11, and verse 10 comes right before it. And the request right before it is, Lord, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Your kingdom come, your will be done. So I can ask God for the parking space. I can ask God for the prom dress. I can ask God for the promotion at work. But I need to make sure that I'm also asking him to shape the desires of my heart. I need to be asking him to conform my will to his will, not the other way around. I need to ask God for whatever is on my heart, but I need to remember that God is always good even when he doesn't give me exactly what I want. God is God, I am not, and I'm much better off when I remember that. Time management experts uh, tell us that if we want to find out how well we're using our time, one way to do that is to keep track for an entire week of everything you do with your time, usually like in 15-minute intervals. You keep a diary or, or you know, a calendar, and you just write down and you say, you know, uh, took care of my needs, you know, shaving and you know, brushing my teeth and stuff, uh, spent some time praying, spent some time reading the Bible, commuted to work for this half hour or whatever, this hour and a half for some of you, you know, whatever it may be. And you go throughout your day like that, and you just, at the end of the day, maybe even just write down the different things that you did. And at the end of the week, you look at that and you evaluate it and you see patterns. And as you see those patterns, you realize that, you know, I didn't realize I spent 17 hours this week checking Facebook, you know, and, and you look at that and you say, I need to make some changes as a result of that. And the same thing is true uh, with food. In fact, I read that there was a study that showed that if you weigh yourself once a day, you will actually lose weight without having to diet or without having to exercise. How's that? Just weigh yourself once a day and it's going to affect your weight loss. It's kind of like the Heisenberg uncertainty principle in physics. Those of you who are nerds like me are, are familiar with that. The idea is that when you observe a phenomenon, you affect the outcome. You affect what's happening by observing that. And so with that in mind, I want to encourage you to track your prayers for an entire week. Now, some of you, that's going to be easy. You're going to have two or three entries, you know, and that's going to be it. Others of you, it's going to take a while because you're going to have a lot of entries as you write down the different things that you prayed about. And you don't have to put down every little detail, but you just say, you know, woke up and prayed for 15 minutes and a little bit of what the subject was. And then at lunchtime, you know, thanked God for my food. And put the, put the, the times that you've set aside for prayer and you prayed for your friends, you prayed for your relatives, you prayed for you know, the situation with the, the earthquake that happened in Ecuador or whatever the different needs are that have come to your mind and you prayed for those things. But don't also forget the small things. Prayed for a parking space, thanked God for my food, prayed that the presentation at work 
would go, well, you could also put down how God may have answered those prayers. And it's a wonderful thing to be able to look back and see the prayers that you prayed and the way that God answered those. But the point of this exercise is at the end of the week, sit down and look and evaluate. What did you find yourself praying for? Were most of the things that you prayed for parking spaces and, and prom dresses and promotions? Did you ever pray for the situation in Ecuador? Did you ever pray for the neighbor who's going through a, a nasty divorce or whatever the situation may be? Were all your prayers for yourself? Were all your prayers for other people? Were all your prayers for physical things? Were there anything in your prayers for emotional needs or spiritual needs? Did you pray at all that God would help you to become more and more like him? What did you pray about? And use that time to evaluate, evaluate that. And then ask yourself the question, how do my prayers reflect my view of God? What do my prayers show me about what I think about God? Do I think of him as a cosmic vending machine? Do I think of him as the king of the universe? Do I think of him as my loving father? Do I think of him as too busy or too big or too important for the details of my life? Do I think of him as a parent who wants to give me everything that is good? What do you see from your prayers about your view of God? And then ask yourself, how might God want me to change the way that I pray? What might he want me to pray about more frequently? What might he want me to start praying for? And use that as an opportunity to grow and to reflect and to become more and more like God himself. In the book of Thessalonians, which was a letter that Paul wrote to some Christians in the ancient city of Thessalonica, he says, uh, he says this, he says, rejoice always, pray continually, give thanks in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. I love that. Rejoice always, pray continually, give thanks in all circumstances, because this is what God wants for you. I think what Paul is saying is, we should just pray all the time. It's like an ongoing conversation with God. You know, Lord, thanks for the beautiful day. Wow, I see those flowers over there that you created. Thank you for the, the variety of colors, the sounds of the birds. Thank you for that. Thanks for the parking space that you provided. You know, Lord, I'm a little bit worried about this presentation that I need to be making later on today. Would you calm my heart and help me to, to, to speak in a way that's clear so that people will understand me. Lord, I've got to have this difficult conversation with somebody, and I'm afraid to do that. Would you help me with that? Father, I, I hear on the news that there was another bombing in the Middle East, and, and my heart is broken for the needs of the people over there. Whatever is on your heart, whatever is on your mind, rejo rejoice always, pray continually, and give thanks in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. Nothing is too small. Nothing is too trivial. Nothing is too big. And God is never, ever too busy to hear us when we pray. So let's take a couple minutes and pray.
Father, I thank you. I thank you that you are always there. I thank you that you're never too busy. I thank you that if all of us and all Christians everywhere in the world were praying at this same exact moment, you'd be able to hear all of our prayers at the same time. I thank you that nothing is too trivial for you. Nothing is too small and nothing is too difficult for you. I thank you that it's as easy for you to create the world as it is for you to help me to find whatever it is that I'm looking for in the store. And I thank you that you care about my needs. I thank you especially that you gave me your son so that my relationship with you could be restored. And I pray for all of us that we would increasingly turn to you with all of our needs, recognizing that not only can you meet our needs, but that you want to, and that you want us to live lives of dependence on you. And so I pray that as we enter into this new week, I pray that we would be conscious of how often, how frequently, how infrequently we pray. And I pray that we would more and more rejoice and thank you for the good things that you've given to us. More and more come to you and ask you to meet our needs. More and more ask you to shape and to mold our desires and our wills to follow after yours. And as we do that, I pray that our understanding of who you are, our appreciation for your love and your grace, your generosity, your forgiveness, I pray that that would grow. And I pray that our love for you would grow. And I pray that you would use us in the lives of the people around us to draw them closer and closer to you. We pray all of these things in Jesus' name, amen. Well, thank you for coming out this morning, and I hope that you enjoy uh, this beautiful weekend day.